1: Conversations on Dance is proud to have Yumiko as a continued partner in 2021. Yumiko is a company inspired by beauty and standards. As a leader in the dancewear industry, they take great pride in their impact as a socially and environmentally conscious brand. As a part of this commitment, they've recently transitioned their workshop to 100% green energy, a substantial step in their sustainability journey. While staying devoted to eco-friendly production practices, Yumiko remains passionately focused on connecting and lifting the dance community to promote a more loving and equal world through the power of togetherness. For our listeners in the New York City area, Yumiko's flagship store is currently open with limited hours, or you can always shop online at Yumiko.com. Be sure to follow along on Instagram at Yumiko to participate in their weekly giveaways and to stay updated on all things 2021. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro.
0: And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on
1: Dance. Today we are joined by Andrea Renee Long-Nadeau, former principal with the Dance Theater of Harlem and current Boston Ballet School faculty member. Andrea began her ballet training at the Pennsylvania Ballet School, accepting an apprenticeship position with the company at just 14 years old. After a year working with the company, she went on to continue her training at the School of American Ballet, then went on to join the New York City Ballet. She was a core member with New York City Ballet for eight years before going on to join Dance Theatre of Harlem under the direction of Arthur Mitchell, where she would go on to rise to the rank of principal. She began her second career as a teacher in 2008 and joined the Boston Ballet School faculty in 2020. We talk with Andrea about her incredible career, working with countless dance legends, her time working with Arthur Mitchell, and her second career as a teacher.
0: Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a Sunday, and you took this time uh, to come talk to us, so we really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for inviting me. Oh, we're so happy to hear more about you. So we're, we want to start at the beginning where we start with all of our guests. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got your start in dance and how you first became interested in dance?
2: Um, my mother actually saw <clears throat> an audition for Pennsylvania Ballet. I'm from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and she saw an audition for students at the Pennsylvania Ballet and she thought, Ballet would be good for me because I had three older brothers and she was like, oh, she needs to do something that's about grace and being beautiful. And Mm -hmm. so she took me to Pennsylvania Ballet. That was my first ballet school.
1: Wow. Started right with already great training right off the bat. That's great. Yeah,
2: (laughs) I had a really, you know, uh, Barbara Weisberger, who was the third Pennsylvania Ballet, was the one that auditioned me when I was seven years old.
1: Oh, wow. That's uh, wild.
0: Barbara, yeah, such she was the
2: one, huh?
0: She said she was such an icon.
2: Yeah, she uh, said that she thought I had potential. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: yeah, it started at Pennsylvania Ballet.
0: So, was the company doing Balanchine's Nutcracker at that point? I'm just wondering if you had performing opportunities young with the company. Um,
2: they weren't doing Nutcracker, Balanchine's Nutcracker mm-hmm. yet. But when I was 14, and Ricky Weiss took over Pennsylvania Ballet. <clears throat> he made me an apprentice. Mm -hmm. So then, um, yeah, that's when I got introduced to Balanchine.
0: That is very young, even by older standards. Like what, so what was, what did your family think about that? Was there any hesitation on your end or your family's like, this is a little young, we should finish high school. Or what was the the vibe for that?
2: Well, my mother was definitely concerned about my schooling because Mm -hmm. I was 14. Mm -hmm. But, um, They worked it out where I went to a performing arts school that would allow me to go take company class in the morning, rehearse up into the afternoon, and then I would go to school and then go to school for like three, four hours, and then go back to Pennsylvania Valley for evening classes with the school. Mm -hmm. But my my academics did suffer. So after one year, uh, my mom asked if I could step down so I could focus on school.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that makes sense that seems like a really rigorous schedule were you ever thinking at that point in time like wow this is too much for me I really want to focus on school or once you had a taste of company life were you like oh this is what I want to do like how were you feeling during that year
2: um it was what I wanted to do yeah mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know but my academics were suffering and caused my mom a lot of concern Mm -hmm. yeah so uh Ricky, Ricky Weiss was great. He's like, you know, this company's here for her. Let her finish school. You know, I would go every day and be at ballet school. That was my second home. Right. Mm-hmm. Every day. Of course. And yeah. uh, it's just that I wasn't rehearsing with the company or performing with them anymore.
0: Right. Right. So what were some of your early um, experiences like performing as a company member, as a 14 year old company member? <laughs>
2: Scary because you know, (laughs) here I am, I'm sure, like this brat, (laughs) you know, to the older company members (laughs) doing snowflake. And um, they did a different nutcracker at the time. Um, I can't remember who choreographed it, I think it was Robert Rodham. And um, someone else, and Ben Hart Carvey, who was there back in Pennsylvania Ballet. So I did, like, snowflakes. I did flowers, you know, marzipan, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. And um, it was hard. But it was my first year I got to do a balancing ballet, which was Stars and Stripes.
1: Oh, for Girls
2: but... Regiment. Yay. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so fun. That
1: was fun. Were so you... was Rick – oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, I was just wondering if you were by yourself in this time. Were you the only, like, 14-year-old apprentice? <laughs> Were you the only one or did you have kind of like people to turn to? Yeah,
2: I was the only one.
1: Wow. Wild.
2: Yeah.
1: That must have been a challenge. But,
2: you know, it's different because I was living with my my mother and Mm -hmm. my brothers. So, you know, I still had home. Right. Or I would go home and get away from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So had you had... But the
2: maturity level wasn't there to handle it.
0: Right. Oh, I can't imagine. So was STARS the sort of moment where you fell in love with Balanchine or had you had any other Balanchine training or... or, um... You know, seen other ballets of his. What was the the moment for you that really made that click?
2: Um, I had a teacher, Miss um, Miss Yvonne Patterson, mm-hmm. who was in Mister Balanchine Balanchine's original company, Ballet Society, that mm-hmm. ended up being New York City Ballet. Right. So she was like our only teacher that gave us a taste of Balanchine. But my real experience was Stars and Stripes, mm-hmm. and then at the time, Debbie Austin. Mm-hmm. Came to be a principal right. at Pennsylvania Ballet. Right.
0: Ugh, right. uh, Debbie, yeah. those videos of Debbie performing at Pennsylvania Ballet—yeah, oh, that selfie is just out of this world. It's
2: amazing.
0: Yeah. So you you did you ended up going back to training. You you said you you scaled back, but at what point did you decide um, that you wanted to continue your training at SAB? What made you um, switch um, from Pennsylvania Ballet?
2: Well, um, one summer, the summer right before I became an apprentice with Pennsylvania Ballet, I got accepted to American Ballet Theater School for the summer on a scholarship, and I went, and I just was so in love and, you know, starry eyes about New York, and I really love New York. At the time, I didn't know it was going to be City Ballet because the teacher that was so influential in my life at the time was... Mm-hmm. that was my primary teacher from seven to 16. And she was, you know, a principal ballerina with, uh, with American Ballet Theater. Mm-hmm. So my whole life, I grew up around her seeing the classics, right? You know, Swan Lake, Giselle, blah, blah, blah. We'd go to her house. We would watch tape movies of her dancing, all these beautiful roles. And I went to, um, abt and one of the teachers there they did an evaluation and she my mom and she was like you know she's really really talented but i don't see her you know being in abt mm-hmm. and that that was the first time that she was like i really think she would be a good fit for new york city ballet that's the first time i've ever heard of new york city ballet to tell you the truth
1: right <laughs> i was gonna say did that make you excited but i guess if you hadn't heard about it just yet well
2: (laughs) i never heard about it and my you know my whole time was you know learning the classics so i was kind of like sad Mm -hmm. like why can't i be there i mean i didn't understand it right you know and my mom she was great she said you know look you know let's let's find out what this new york city valley is but you're going back to pennsylvania valley anyway let's mm-hmm. not think about that right now
0: right mm-hmm. so, did, yeah. did you get any context for why you would be a better fit i mean there are, obviously it comes with a lot of positives you know like if you're a better fit in new york city valley there are so many wonderful things that they're not they're equals but they're just different you know
2: yeah um i think i was very aware very young when um American Ballet Theater would come to Pennsylvania. They would come to Philadelphia, and they would perform at the Dell uh, Music Center, which is this big theater outside in Philadelphia. And we would go, and I would never see anyone in American Ballet Theater that looked like me. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty aware of why. Mm-hmm. wasn't a I was not a naive kid. I kind of like went, oh, okay. I, I get what's happening. Right. But I did see Debbie Austin before she came to Pennsylvania Ballet. I saw her on the PBS Dan- um, dance um, dancing in America series. Mm-hmm. They don't have that anymore, and they did a series on balancing, mm-hmm. and there she was doing the solo and balla, and I was right. like, "Oh my god, that someone kind of looks like me."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So I was I was aware, right, right, of why.
1: Yeah, we hear about those PBS specials so much, The Dancing in America. So many people felt inspired by that. And I know it's a shame not to have yeah. any more, but I love hearing about that always.
2: Yeah, and I just started watching a lot of the – every time the balancing series would come on, I would watch. There was mm-hmm. Merle Ashley and Danny Duwell doing Four Temperaments, Sanguinic, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, this is balancing!" Right. So –
1: So that kind of drew you in then to the Balanchine style. Did you, what was next for you? I guess after that, did you go back to Philadelphia or did you start to go to SAB right after that conversation? What was the next step?
2: So I went back to Philadelphia, continued training. And, um, I met Arthur Mitchell. So Mr. Mitchell has been in and out of my life since I was 12 years old Mm -hmm. and he always wanted me to come to DTH. So, um, I finally, you know, here I turned like, I was like 15 and a half, Mm -hmm. and he offered me to come and be a trainee at DTH. Mm -hmm. And I was all excited. My mom and dad were really nervous, but they were like, okay, we're willing to let her go because I went to New York for a summer and I was 14. Mm -hmm. So they were like, okay, we'll let her go. And um, I had to do ballet, You you know, at DTH. You know, I had to do tap and this and that. And right. I was like, oh, this is not for me. Uh-huh. You know? And <laughs> at the time, he was really angry at me. I was <laughs> like, I can't. This is not what I want to do. But, you know, I've always loved him. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is not for me. I just want to do ballet. Right. And I had another mentor. His name was Walter Raines, who was very good friends with Melissa Hayden. Mm-hmm. And she had seen me and was like, she needs to go to School of American Ballet. So... I was taking. Cl- I moved to New York and I was taking class at uh, Alvin Ailey with Walter Reigns. He would let me take ballet class because I wasn't at GTH anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I auditioned for SAB and got in that day. Mm-hmm. And that's how that started. It
1: was meant to be from the get go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: who were your primary teachers at the time at SAB? At SAB.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh. There was Suki, Susie, Danilva, uh, Crammy, Tumakovsky. I mm-hmm. know everyone were was afraid of her, but I loved her. She was like uh-huh. one of my favorite teachers. Right. Loved her. And uh we had Kay, mm-hmm. Stanley Williams. So you know that old essay yeah. world yeah. was my world.
0: Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. So at what point did you have an idea that the company was gonna be a real possibility for you. Did they give you an inclination in those school years that um, you know, you it was likely that you were gonna be hired?
2: Well, okay. So one point I was told I would not get in. Okay. Right? You're not gonna get in. And I was like, okay, what what is that? You know, this is Why not making yeah. sense in- the obvious, mm-hmm. you know, Cynthia Lacharre at the time was in the company, <laughs> and Mirna, you know, Myrna, she, yes, I see yeah. just got into, and mm-hmm. Cynthia was still there. Cynthia announced she was leaving. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: All of a sudden, I got leads in Nutcracker. I mean, not Nutcracker workshop. Mm-hmm. I oh, yeah. I got cast to do choleric and Four Temperaments and Divertimento Number Fifteen. And that's when I was like, "Ooh, maybe this could happen." Right. But I didn't know at the time that it was more about one was leaving, we're going to replace it Ugh. with another. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just I so... didn't know at the
2: time that that, that why that was happening. Mhm. Hmm. So Myrna, Myrna and I were probably in the company like maybe 1 year together and then she left.
0: Right. God. That's just, I mean, did that have an impact on you or was you, you were just like, this is the world that I live in. And it felt kind of in a weird way, normal, or was that really, you know, like that, that's something that like as basic as you can, like ballet is all about control. You can work as hard as you can and improve on your jumps or your turns, but like, you know, the color of your skin is the way you are born. And if that was what it was, was like, one has to leave for someone else to come in. Did that have an emotional impact on you? Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It did. And I, I I, think all the black women who have gone through New York City Ballet, not the ones now that are there, but us, the, the ones that mm-hmm. were there before, we all knew that pattern was, was happening. And I remember when I announced that I was leaving New York City Ballet and I went to Peter's office and I was like, I'm leaving. You're not going to do anything with me. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, I said, no, you have a very, very bad... Track record with black females. Mm-hmm. I've never seen one get out of the core, and have we seen one get out of the core lately? Hopefully, my my former student will. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping.
0: Mm-hmm. So we'll
2: see if that happens. But I just noticed that I I have I, seen so many great, beautiful black dancers. Your Cynthia, your Mirna, your Debbie mm-hmm. Austin. Not rise,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I knew that was my fate, right? It you know, I could just tell, right? I mean, I got to do some soloist stuff, and I, you know, Peter used me a lot for his ballets, but I wanted to be a ballerina like any other young girl who's tr- given her whole life to this, you know, and I right. just was like, this is not going to work here, right? And that was. It's heartbreaking to admit and there was an incident that happened within the company that made me like really want to leave and just that was it I I couldn't be there anymore
0: but you did you were there for eight years was this Mm -hmm. you know like there must have been you know moments of joy that allowed you to stay there in spite of that was that was that performing for you was that like...
2: Oh, yeah. The, you know, the, the the getting out there and to dance, those beautiful ballets,
0: mm-hmm.
2: was worth putting up with right. what was hard to deal with.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I would weigh the bad with the good. I, right. Like, I'm in New right. York City Ballet. Right. Mm-hmm. How many Black women get into city ballet? Right? And um, getting to do those ballets every night and beautiful ballets and... You know, but then there just got to a point where I wanted to be someone else Mm. and I just couldn't do it anymore.
0: And, you know, you found that almost straight away. You'd like, what was this transition for you? Like you're going back, you go to DTH, you're automatically respected as a dancer of value that is going to perform principal roles, you you went as a soloist. Is that right?
2: I went as a soloist. you were
0: promoted very quickly to principal. Yeah.
2: with like a year.
0: That overnight flip from like, you obviously you had invested so much in these ballets and then you're finally getting to experience something that was held back from you, which is the, you know, the spotlight you're doing leads in Serenade and Firebird and Allegro and things that, we're always going to be out of grasp for something that you had no control over. What was that flip like for you?
2: It was so scary. And because I wasn't being groomed and I feel like when, Mm -hmm. when you start to groom someone when they're younger, they can take that adjustment to be in the spotlight easier. Totally. Yeah. So I wasn't there. I was sitting in the core. Mr. Mr. Arthur Mitchell was. (laughs) He's a man of, he was a man of many, many words.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and he, he could, uh, really make your day or ruin your day. Let's just right. put it that way. So it was really trying, you know, all of a sudden I'm supposed to step up and do the iconic role that every, dan- every ballerina and, uh, at DTH wants to do is all of a sudden I'm called to do Firebird. And I'm like, what? Right. What is happening, <laughs> you know? And also, there was like the self doubt because, um, you know, being at City Ballet and being not noticed for so long really took a toll on me. Mm-hmm. So right. I had to find courage again.
1: Right? Yeah. How did How did you ultimately find that courage? Do you think? Do you feel?
2: Um. Well, I, I say, I you know. I look back at my time with Mr. Mitchell and I think there was a lot, there was a lot of love between us and it was mm-hmm. tough love. Mm-hmm. It was hard, but, um, he would not, he would demand so much of me and he would not let me give up. And, and then I met my husband who, uh, really just was there for me. and was like, you can do this. This mm-hmm. is what you were meant to be. And, you know, you know, my, my family is just so important. My mom would come and see me do Firebird. She would mm-hmm. come to D.C. and see whatever I was premiering in. And I just think I started to, like, slowly get comfortable being in the spotlight. But in the beginning, no, I was very was not comfortable at all. all.
0: Right. So it was just, like, over time, like, having the ability to sink into those roles after many performances.
2: Yeah, yeah. Firebird is a role that I don't think any ballerina for DTH will ever say to you, they conquered it. Because it's, <laughs> you know, it's something that I never did in City Ballet where I had to be dramatic and mm-hmm. also technically do the choreography mm-hmm. and, and tell this whole story. Right. I mean, doing Balanchine, a lot of times you're not telling that much of a story. Exactly. right? And, you know, Firebird is, it's very dramatic and very demanding.
0: Is that a moment so, where you called upon your training with Lupe? Serrano yeah yeah
2: I'm so glad I went through her you mm-hmm. know because you know I love the balancing, and I also love the classics but um uh, there were things like doing so much balancing I wasn't able to do anymore but once I was back in classes
0: mm-hmm.
2: working like that again it came back to me like oh I remember doing this right you know what I mean
1: Yeah, Yeah. I wonder too how you felt um, getting these experiences these featured roles after you had been a professional dancer for over 8 years at that point did you feel like you not only had a, a better understanding of the works than someone who was very young like you were talking about someone who would be groomed and is maybe 18 and dancing these masterworks and did you feel like you had developed your artistry in a way that really aided you once you got these roles
2: um I was always a performer and, and, you know, having, you know, Stephanie Dabney coached me. She's the the original fiber. Mm -hmm. She coached me. I would work with Mr. Mitchell and then me just getting to do it a lot and starting to find my way in it and every role that I did like Apollo or whatever, I mean, I always wanted to dance those roles, Mm -hmm. you know, and so being older, I committed. To them more because I really knew what those ballets meant and how I always wanted to do them. Yeah. So I knew I had like a great opportunity yeah. to do roles right. that I would watch backstage at New York City Ballet, and there I'm, I'm at DTH doing a Lego brilliant or T's or Concerto yeah. Barocco, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm doing the principal.
0: <laughs> so, so yeah. I, aside from just the fact that you are now thrust into the spotlight, so you're doing these principal roles, was there a major difference in the workload like dth performed a ton toured a ton was but as we know city ballet that's like three ballets a night seven days a week so what was the that transition like for you physically that just the in terms of a workload well
2: the touring and doing such hardcore like principal rep Mm -hmm. that was really i i wasn't used to all that touring Mm -hmm. but i started to really like it um no we weren't perform maybe as much mm-hmm. as City Valley does you know we would do what six weeks of nutcracker right at City Valley right. oh my god I mean, we had monday <laughs> off and it was just mm-hmm. like, jesus christ yeah <laughs> so um it was different but at the time i was a, I, I was a principal
0: mm-hmm. not in
2: the core doing those ballet core killing ballets every mm-hmm. night
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know i was doing what a principal ballerina does and that was it, you know, just focus right. on my role. Right. So I would say maybe they were both hard, you know? Right, right. Different just different ways.
1: Hard. yeah and
2: different. No. Yeah.
1: I wonder if you could tell us a little bit of your time working with Arch- Arthur Mitchell. You already mentioned some things, but um, we had been in touch with him like a month before he passed away. Unfortunately, we were going to interview him. And so we are so sad that we missed out on being able to talk with him. What was his process like did he talk a lot about like we we dance for Edward Valella at Miami City Ballet so you know kind of getting some Balanchine stories here and there is that something that would be a lot of the conversations you would have with him would he bring back yeah
2: but he, Mr. Mitchell oh wow coaching with him was so amazing first of all he has the most incredible he's just dynamic.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. And, um, he would tell, you know, stories about Mr. Balanchine here and there, but when he was in the studio coaching you, it was really about you and him mm-hmm. and what he felt he had to get out of you. And he would, he would, you know, he would either challenge you, encourage you. Uh, he, I, I, I had a very personal relationship with him besides the studio he was in my wedding. Um, oh. I would go to events with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I loved him. And, and and you know how you are with your parents. Mm-hmm. I love you and I hate you. <laughs> that was our relationship. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> Basically, so mm-hmm. it was our relationship. Yeah. It was. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, I was heartbroken when he was ill. Mm-hmm. Very heartbroken. Yeah.
0: yeah. What did that mean to you to have a mentor figure, something that had been lacking at City Ballet for eight years, and then you have someone that you know actually fully believes in your talent that is, you know, casting you in these roles? How did that affect your self-esteem as an artist?
2: There were times I took it the wrong way. I just, I would sometimes be like, oh, he hates me, because I never had anyone really rooting for me Mm -hmm. that way. You know? like he, I mean, he, he applied pressure, he in involved, a good way. Yeah. No, he wasn't yeah. only involved in what I was doing in the studio, my personal life, too. <laughs> you know? and I'm like, oh, my God. Um, so I was like, oh, my God, why is he doing this? But um, he said to me, he's like, when you came to me, you were really damaged. Mm-hmm. And I had to fix you. And sometimes I didn't agree with how he did it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But... It was true. I was really broken.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to skip ahead too much, but because you are now a teacher, um, it, I feel like just thinking of that, like how do you avoid that? Especially with, you know, so India is your student, right? India Bradley. Yeah, we've had her uh, on the podcast before. We love but like her. You, <laughs> I mean, she is going through, luckily she's in a time, this is the first time in City of Valley's history they've had, I think it's three or there's an apprentice to Savannah for black women in the company. I mean, it's still like the fact that that is a big deal is still ludicrous, but it is still a big deal. Like those girls don't have to be women. They don't have to be alone anymore. There, there's not, they're not single-handedly, you know, representing black women on that stage. But is there like, as a teacher, is there a way that you feel like an approach you're taking to kind of, and not shelter them from what that experience was, but to ensure that they don't have to go experience something as low as that, like something that you have to rebuild back, something you have to just like excavate and, and, you know, work on to, to move past to, to actually become who you can, your best art self as an artist.
2: It's, it's, it's like, first of all, I'm so happy that therefore women of color at city ballet because Mm -hmm. I, that what a horrible way just to be the only one. Right. It's just not fun. Um, But with my students, I, I can give them, I, there are times I have to give them a little bit of tough love. Mm -hmm. Like let's just face this reality. Yeah. got to get it together. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But I also want them to know they're capable of doing anything they want. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I'm trying to be there in a way. I don't want to be damaging to them. Like there are things with Mister Mitchell. He should have never said to people that right. was just horrible. And I don't want to be that. Mm-hmm. I realize I don't want to take that energy on. Mm-hmm. But if I if I need to motivate them or to say to them, is this really what you want? Because the work you're doing right now is not showing that. Mm-hmm. then I have to have the strength to do that too.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like you need to work harder. Right. No one wants to hear that, but you right. know, but it's necessity um, sometimes. But I'm really, I want to, I want to be, um, well, I did have, I had a teacher who believed in me so very much and I had people in my life that were there for me, but I want to be that for them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to call my teacher. Like, Indy and I talk on the phone all the time. Right. My other teach, my other students are dancing professionally. They'll call me up and with their company life stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, calm down. You know, this role may not be for you. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. You'll get another one. Right. I mean, I wish I had that yes. when I was starting out. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say, I'm trying to be who I needed.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a beautiful way of putting it. I love that. Yeah. So was being an a dance educator was that always something that you knew you would transition into? Like nope.
1: okay.
0: So what, what was your thought when you were what was the you plan? Know, you saw retirement in coming up, what was your thought process of like what this is what I'm going to do next?
2: Well, um so DTH was on this like lengthy high we went on a really lengthy kind of hiatus for long time. Mm-hmm. And that, that summer we went on hiatus. Mr. Mitchell was like, I want you to teach in the school. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're, 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 you know, principal dancer, you're like, what are you saying? I shouldn't be dancing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying He's to like, say? <laughs> And he was like, no, I really think you have an, you would have a great eye as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I did it and I kind of enjoyed it. Um, and I think, like, I really, I love to see a child's eyes light up when they get something, mm-hmm. when they figure something out, and, then, and that that just became so like addicting to see.
0: <laughs> right.
2: Like when they're like, "Oh my god, I did that turn!" or "Oh my god, she was right, I can do this." Um, yeah, and. Um, I think I really learned a lot about teaching. Actually, I wasn't at CPYB that long, mm-hmm. but I really learned a lot about teaching at CPYB.
1: Right.
2: How to do it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. What's the formula? How do you get them from point A to D? Mm-hmm. You know, I could go and anyone can go in and give a good class, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm not going to give you a class, but what are you developing? Right. And I think I really, really learned a lot about that at CPYB mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yeah, and so I mean,
2: now I, I'm i a teacher and I'm proud to say it and I love it and I hope I'm gonna I mean of course when I see a beautiful brown child in front of me with the gifts my heart is just going mm-hmm. but I love all my students black and white mm-hmm. but I know that I have to be um, more, more of an advocate for my students of color mm-hmm. I'm totally aware that I have to be right. things are gotten somewhat better but uh, not great, but you know it's getting there,
0: right? Yeah. I I also just think you know so much of the conversation, and this is important, has been about representation on stage. But it, if you only focus on that, you're neglecting the fact that not having you know uh, teachers of color or people in administration or executive positions of color, then that also has an impact. So like you providing representation to children that can see themselves throughout their industry you know that's Mm -hmm. i think that is really impactful as well
2: now i i just did this i did this conversation where you know black educators of dance for a friend of mine and they were all talking about okay well what what really can make the change happen and i just said guys we're we're saying all the obvious Mm -hmm. but we have to be on the board yeah, We have to be on the board of those companies. We have to be at the tables for those schools making decisions. If we're on the board, we're going to push it a little bit mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. How many, uh, I mean, you know, there's not very many, I don't know, of uh, many board members who are of color at these major companies. I mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we got to get them. Mm-hmm. You know, because I really believe when you're at the table and you're going to write a $75,000 check or whatever, right. you're going to get a little more attention. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it's more than that. And it's also having artistic directors who are of color. Virginia mm-hmm. Johnson can't be the only woman right. of color as a director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, more, more uh, choreographers of color. Mm -hmm. more more ballet black ballet choreographers Mm -hmm. getting in the studio with dancers right you know opening everyone up to a different way Mm -hmm. you know
0: yeah Yeah, i feel like for so long it was just the there was a way of putting the burden on um people of color like it's like oh well like when the when the you know hispanic Retmansky shows up of course we'll hire him, but it's like you have to develop that from the ground up. You can't just, it doesn't Uh appear like, Yeah. I mean, I think there was an important male director who said like, I would love to hire like a black um, female principal if she showed up on my doorstep. And it's like, well, that's not, you're putting the burden on someone else. You are the one in charge. You have Uh to make that change happen.
2: And trust and believe There are so many beautiful dancers of color out Mm. here right now that they're here. Don't say they're not. They're here. Right. Give them the chance. Mm -hmm. You know, they're here. Mm -hmm. You know, like Kirsten Fiertro, who is here in Boston Ballet. I used to work with her at DTH. Uh Uh-huh. So she's on our. She's friend. on our
0: list. We want her on the pod, really. Bad. Yeah, oh, we're, we're, we're trying. Oh. She's just very busy right now, but we're we're gonna get her on. She's great.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's really wonderful that I'm able to see her in class and teach her again and be there for her again because she she's she's the future of this company Mm -hmm. and that's why i took boston ballet too because not just her but you know margaret and i've known each other for a long time and Mm -hmm. when i was like i don't want to come in and just be this black teacher Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i want to help affect how boston ballet looks in five years
0: Mm -hmm.
2: that means i want to teach across the board Mm -hmm. and that's what I'm doing. Right. Like I teach BB two, I teach ballet two, I teach the post grad, I teach at Walnut Hill, the professional division, I teach the little children in the classical division, and I just started doing my first um, outreach ballet
0: teaching. Awesome.
2: Which was really fun.
1: I bet. I,
0: I want to hear a little bit about your personal teaching style. Like, what are what are some hallmarks of like an Andrea class? Like, what do you, what do you what do you bring your balancing training your training with lupe are there specific like um approaches you take to getting the results you want to see
2: um i have to say i'm a little bit of i i love the dynamics of balancing mm-hmm and I will bring that to my class. I always, there's always some like real accented fast boom 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 tondues. Mm-hmm. And then um and degagés. I believe in those being that and fast petit allegro. Mm-hmm. But I'm also very um how it's being done. Mm-hmm. Like Ooh, that's not quite turnout. Are you using your seat muscle? You need to use this to make this happen and, mm-hmm. and pull this back here and open that knee and get your sort of more back, back, back. <laughs> so um, I give a technical class, but I also give a dancing class. You're going to dance, but mm-hmm. the bar may make you work. It's mm-hmm. a very staple work, like work. Bar. I mean, I don't know if any of you ever taken with Marcia, but her oh. bars were very like, boom, boom, yeah. boom. If you survived the bar, then you got to dance. <laughs> that's, yeah. I think that's what I do. Like, she,
0: I mean, you really, I mean, what icon did you not dance or work with? Like Marcia, Arthur, Melissa was, <laughs> you know, rooting for you in the beginning. You really...
2: No, yeah. I've, been, I've been very blessed. Very blessed. Yeah. 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 Blast.
1: Is there a certain icon that you feel like has influenced your teaching the most?
2: Marcia DeWeary,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and 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 being around Darla Hoover, who's mm-hmm. an amazing teacher, Alicia uh, at the principal of CP, the, the, the teachers at CPYB are some of the best teachers I've ever seen. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna, I and mean, they're fantastic teachers here. Boston Ballet but I really think learning doing the teacher training with Marcia and Darla really opened my eyes of how to teach something
0: mm-hmm. right
2: you know what I mean and 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 I think that her legacy in the way she taught will always be in my teaching right like that this is how it's done and if you're gonna do it this is how we're gonna do it right. You know, she never allowed kids to get into habits. Honey, don't let them do that. That becomes a habit. And Mm -hmm. then a bad habit you can't get rid of. (laughs) So, you know, she taught you right off the bat the right way. Right,
0: Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Also, I love she would, she never, she treats children like um an equal kind of like she would just if she was just like a, a seven-year-old can do a glissade if they think they can do a sod and I, I can get them to do it you know it's like these little the barn babies you know mm-hmm. what they used to call barn babies like um they could do it there because- were
2: stories of her with uh ashley bauer and mm-hmm. abby Stafford that i couldn't believe like Abby Stafford must have only had her point shoes for I don't know, not that long. Mm -hmm. Garcia had her out there doing a variation, Mm -hmm. and like fouettes, right on point, because she would be like, "Well, they don't know any better." Right, (laughs) right, yeah. (laughs) I believe that. That's why I said in the beginning of our interview when you start, you know, grooming someone when they're in the core and they're they're taking that moment moment to become a principal, it's easier take right. taking someone who's been sitting in the core forever.
1: Yeah, right. if someone tells you you can, it gives you the confidence, like mm-hmm. we were talking about before. And if someone tells you you can't, that confidence is stripped from you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I just think your your experience, like your career and the people you've worked with, has obviously like led to this wealth of knowledge that your students are just so lucky to have from you. And I want to take a class. Yes. I know there's a I know there's a YouTube platform. Are you going to
2: be in Boston? <laughs> uh, come up to what? Boston.
0: Yeah, I, well, I was yeah. in I was BB two one year before Miami City Valley. Yeah, so I actually come up to Boston a lot, but uh, um, not not in COVID times, but now, <laughs> maybe it, eventually.
2: My husband lives in DC, and I haven't been back to DC since September. He can travel to see uh-huh. me; I can't see him right because of the school i can't leave
1: sure right right yeah
2: yeah so it's been hard Mm
1: -hmm. how has that been just to touch on that briefly teaching in the time of covid in 2020 how is that i mean we all are so familiar with the zoom classes how are you working to keep the kids really uh, motivated and keep them working on their technique despite the circumstances
2: well, um, when it first hit, I was still at CPYB and our mm-hmm. whole summer course was online. And that, that was like bizarre.
1: Tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It took
2: me a long time to break into teaching on zoom, but then I, I realized, okay, I'm just going to be who I am in the studio with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. They need to still know this, this is their teacher. This is Andrea still Miss Andrea. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so then Boston, when I came to Boston in the fall, we've been, um, Partially virtual and in studio. Okay. I prefer either all virtual or all <laughs> in the studio. The, uh-huh. the split teaching is crazy because sometimes I'll forget the kids are on the screen. I'm like, oh
0: it's so oh my hard, God, right? right over there. Yeah. You know?
2: <laughs> and um, the mask situation, um, you got to give them a break. You got to let them drink some water, mm. catch their breath. Okay, let's go. I say water break, not take your mask off water mm. break
1: right right <laughs> you know, you know, don't be
2: pulling it off right but it's been very challenging and um yeah we had one we we've been very lucky here mm-hmm. no major disaster mm-hmm. well um and the teachers like i teach us at walnut hill we get tested every tuesday
0: mm-hmm.
2: so and now we're up for a vaccine so
0: yes you know. yeah
2: Yeah.
1: I wonder wonder too. I mean, this has been hard for everyone. So hard for children. I can't imagine one thing I always think about though, are those, um, kids that were, you know, like seniors in high school, like just about to look for jobs right now. How are you kind of helping them that specific group navigate this time right now?
2: Well, I just spoke to a young woman last night. She's not, she's a student of my friends and she called me for advice. And, you know, she's like, before COVID hit, I was supposed to probably go to Nashville or somewhere else she was supposed to go. And I said, look, honey, if you get a trainee, take it,
1: take it, take it. If you get
2: a trainee, whatever tra- trainee program thing, take it Yeah, mm-hmm. because it's one, you know, it's one step getting to understand what company life is about because a lot of kids, when you just go back to the school, you you don't really, it's, you don't know. And you're going to have to do a training anyway. You're not going to walk into any company like that anymore. It's not going to happen. Right. And I just, and I told her, you know, you have to let this year go because it's not a normal year. And I know that's hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel for these kids. i (sighs) god do i feel for them yeah i mean mean, they lost a year
1: yeah there's one one girl that i've worked with that's about in that kind of like in between and she you know was so nervous about like getting into starting her apprenticeship and you know would she be in enough shape in good enough shape it's like everyone's been in the same situation that's the only silver that's the only like
2: thing you're not the only one in this situation yes but i mean i really i really don't think companies right now are gonna be hiring that many dancers. They gotta mm-hmm. get back on their feet. Yeah. Right. And so I try to be honest with them. Like mm-hmm. if you get another year in the school, take it. Take if it. you get training, take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why be out here with nothing?
1: Right. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. For I think sure. That sounded it's
2: gonna advanced. take a long time to get things back on track. Well, maybe not that long. I don't wanna say that.
1: Hopefully yeah. Hopefully yeah, not too we'll long, see. but I know what you mean. It feels like it could be forever. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, let's yeah. round out our interview with some more positive yes. <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> um, we want to do our, our lightning round, which is just a quick little that we do at the, our, at the end of the interview where we ask you a question. You just think of the first thing that um, the question okay. inspires. So uh, let's start uh, with favorite onstage memory.
2: Firebird. Hmm flying they fly you at the end they fly oh, you up yes and i just remember freaking out but when i got on there oh my god so
0: amazing i'm uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like i'm
1: done oh that's so good um if you could come back to the stage tomorrow and perform any ballet what would it be
2: Nod, hmm. waltz girl
1: oh great choice great. yeah
0: uh is do you have a favorite correction to give as a teacher
2: Use your seat
0: muscles. Yeah, that's what I say all the time. <laughs> you know, your 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 butt is a—it's the underrated part. People, always, I, mem- I remember growing up and people being like, "Use your center, use your center." I was like, "Use your rear end." <laughs> <laughs> I like now with the little
2: ones. I'm always like, "Squeeze your popo, your popo,
1: get
0: your
1: yeah. popo working, <laughs> working." Yeah, that's yeah. good. They're important muscles there. Um, if you could perform a ballet that was created after you retired, what would you choose?
2: Anything by Crystal pike
0: Oh, good choice.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, is there something, um, maybe a hobby or a new – habit that you've picked up during um, COVID that has really gotten you through?
2: Um, I do a lot of yoga.
0: <laughs> so does Rebecca.
1: I do too. I feel you. <laughs> I love it. It's essential. And we can do it on yeah. Zoom. It's great. Yep. Yeah. Perfect yeah. for your living room. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, thanks again for joining us. This was so lovely oh, having you. Thank you,
2: you so and- much. I enjoyed this. It was great. It was so like chill <laughs> well, we're
0: chill I mean I love it
1: it wasn't oh. like <laughs> <laughs> no
0: we're here yeah. for fun